Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this podcast, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. McNamara on Money is heard on six continents and in more than 50 countries worldwide. Now sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I've got a great show lined up for this morning. We're going to get to Gwen Morgan and the What If Workbook very shortly here and talking about preparing for or leaving a legacy and how to be prepared to leave a legacy to your family and friends and loved ones. So that'll be the bulk of the show this morning. But before we get to that, we have a couple of guest visitors this morning in studio. First time radio appearance for both, I believe. So we have a couple of the officers of the Marshfield High School DECA organization. So we have Taylor Toomey and Ava Checa. Hopefully I pronounced those properly. And these ladies are here to do a little bit of community outreach and get some information out about the DECA organization in general, maybe the Marshfield chapter in specific and some of their experiences and educate people on what the DECA organization is and the benefits of it, et cetera. So good morning, ladies. Good, good morning. morning. Thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you, you for having, having us. us. You're welcome. So you guys have some information to share and without further ado, go right ahead. Maybe give a quick background, your, what year you are in school and how long you've been doing DECA. Yeah, so I'm Taylor Toomey. This is my third year in DECA, and I'm a second-year officer. I'm a junior at Marshfield High School, and for DECA, I compete in food marketing, but I was also elected to the state leadership team, which means me and my fellow officers run Massachusetts DECA. Oh, wow. That's amazing. This is your first year doing that on the state yeah. committee? Wow, that's amazing. I'm sure that's a lot of experiences opening up to you yes, across definitely. the state. Yes, I'm Ava DeCheca. This is also my third year in DECA and second year as an officer. I've competed in the sports and entertainment marketing team decision-making category every year with my Katner, my partner, Kat Stranga. This year, I was also elected the president of Marshfield DECA. Wow, congrats. I didn't realize, by the way, that you chose like specific, I don't know, what do we call them? Concentrations that you present yeah. on? Okay, yes. and how many are there? A dozen, a couple dozen? There's a lot. Okay. There's a lot. There's over 50, so everyone gets like a different piece of the business puzzle, if you will. Yeah, and does like the Marshfield DECA chapter, do you have to have someone competing in all of the different categories? Do you break it up that way, or is it just no, so totally personal preference? It's more so personal preference. We try not to have too many people in each category, mm-hmm. but we want everyone to have something that they're passionate sure. about and something that they want to compete in. So we let them pick it themselves, but we usually have someone in almost every category. Yeah. Yeah, there's not too many gaps. Usually somebody's interested in every category that we have because there's a lot of great options. Are there, and I assume the Marshfield chapter is pretty big. Do we call it a yeah. chapter? I'm yes. talking yes. about it like yes, it's a fraternity. It's okay. <laughs> and yeah, how many kids participate in Marshfield DECA? We have about 230. Oh, wow. Right now. 200. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> It's probably that was like my whole high school. Yeah, like two hundred. Yeah, it might be even a little bit more at this point. We had a really big increase in the past like two years. Wow, that's phenomenal. We're one of the largest ones. Wow. Okay, good for you. So tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah. So I just want to like give a little background. So DECA is essentially a business club, and we have over one hundred and fifty thousand members, and we're in more than three thousand high schools across the globe. And it's also offered at the collegiate level, which is really great. People can obtain um, different kinds of scholarships and opportunities throughout it. 
And then also we aim to inspire the next generation of business leaders, professionals, entrepreneurs, and we try and give them real world experience in the area of business of their choice. So we take in the in-class learning and apply it. Yeah. Is it just an, it's an after school program, right? Or are there classes built so, into the schedule? At Marshfield, we have it as an after-school program, mm-hmm. but you're required to take a business class. But I know some other schools, they have it as an actual class in their curriculum. Wow, that's pretty cool. I haven't judged a competition in several years, but I remember six or eight or 10 years ago getting a little bit involved in judging some DECA competitions locally. You guys had one in Quincy. You probably still do that, right? Yeah, the local yes. competitions or wherever they're held. But I've, I was extremely impressed with the professionalism of the students at really young ages, freshmen, sophomores, obviously juniors and seniors, but it's pretty amazing that it's pretty amazing what that organization and the club does for the maturity level of high school kids and just the fact that you're sitting here on the radio and <laughs> communication skills are definitely top notch from what I've what I've witnessed and I assume that's one of the main goals. So yeah. that's pretty awesome. What else t- do you want to talk about the competitions or the things that you do, the events that you have and participate in? Yeah, so we give our members the opportunity to compete in areas like finance, marketing, management, and hospitality. And through practical scenarios, they gain more real-world experience. Like you had talked about, they learn how to carry themselves in professional interviews, think on their feet, and thrive in situations where they may have been previously uncomfortable. Like you just talked about, we're sitting here on a radio show, so they get more comfortable in their skills. And the competition is really the backbone of the club, and members can compete as high as the international level, which is a really cool opportunity for them because they get to meet people from around the world. Yeah. To the competitions, I assume they start local and then we were talking yeah. off air about they you funnel and then you know you can um, qualify and then just advance, right? So when do the competitions start? Are they all in the spring or are they starting around now? Or So they're getting started pretty soon. Our first conference is going to be in early December, which we're very excited for because that's the one everyone gets to go to. So that's called our district conference and that's just against neighboring schools. Mm-hmm. This like the competition essentially like consists of a hundred question tests that we take before the conference. Mm. And then we also do a presentation in front of a judge with a business scenario. And there are like three different types of competitions, but technically two, individual team. Mm-hmm. And we have something called principles. So when you're competing in a team, you get 30 minutes to prep before you go in front of the judge. Mm-hmm. And then for individuals and principals, you get 10, but our principles categories are only for first year members. So we try and ease them into it in a way. So then they don't get overwhelmed and then they can get the lay of the land before they're diving off the deep end. Yeah. And do you want to talk a little bit about Marshfield's successes? And have you guys, you, I know you seem to be routinely sending people to states and yeah. nationals or whatever. I don't know. Does anyone go to the international competition in the past? Have you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you have? I've qualified for internationals with my partner the last two years. Oh, wow. And we usually bring about a quarter of our chapter to states, I'd say. Wow. Yeah, I'd say so. Probably around there. And then internationals, we usually have probably about six qualify and then we bring a lot of other people on like leadership spots which if you want to talk about leadership yeah so leadership spots are what we do throughout the year to earn so this is when people don't qualify for the international conference but still want to attend Mm. and they can take a leadership spot so what we're doing right now is outreach and this is going to help us gain one of those spots because it's such a great opportunity i went on leadership this past year and we were talking off air about this, but all the different people that you get to meet. But mm-hmm. I was doing one specifically for 
actually becoming a leader and it's called Empower. So we learned on different skills and business that can help us be a better leader for our team and also in the workplace. But it's really great and you see how everyone works together and the leadership sponsor is such a great opportunity to get to experience that if you didn't qualify. Yeah, that's cool. Do you want to talk a little bit about your role in the state organization as well and your leadership role there? I'm a Massachusetts state officer, so I do a lot more of the work on that greater scale. Mm -hmm. So some stuff that I've been doing recently is bringing DECA to more schools, which is very exciting because I love DECA. Ava loves DECA. I'm hoping (laughs) someone else listening loves DECA. (laughs) So I'm just trying to bring that to as many people as possible, which was one of my campaign promises. And to get my specific position, you have to run at our state conference. So it consisted of giving speeches in front of almost 4,000 people and then on a lower scale of like around, (laughs) I don't know, five or 700. That's pretty impressive. I'm like sitting on stage as they're voting in front of me, like we're all in a line. How old are you? 17? 16. 16? Yeah. I ran when I was 15. Good for you. Good for you. I obviously great real world experience that you're gaining being part of this organization. I obviously resume building, college application building stuff right there. That's, it's invaluable. Anything else you guys want to share? What else is on your list of things to, Um, what schools are you targeting now to try to get involved in DECA that are not involved? Any of the local South Shore Yeah, so actually Duxbury is going to be joining this year, which we're very excited about. Although they are our rivals, we're going to be very happy to have them. (laughs) Athletic rivals, but they could be your DECA partners. Yeah, athletic rivals, but like DECA besties. But we also have really great networking opportunities, which I think Ava wanted to touch on. Yeah, it's just not about the competition solely. We have a lot of other great opportunities for people to get to know each other. So even if you don't move on to the next level, you still gain a lot from going to each conference and it makes it a worthwhile thing. You don't necessarily have to move on to yeah. take something out of DECA. So we have Quiz Bowl at States where a lot of people have made a lot of friends. It's just trivia. We have Jeopardy that happens at every conference, karaoke nights, just little things that even outside of business get people together and talking. Yeah. yeah. Is this mostly for students that are interested in business and want to maybe major in business in college, or is it all walks of life that are participating, or do you have any? So you see a lot of different groups, but I can say like the most people that I've talked to, they want to be in business. Yeah. But I think that it's still a great club, even if you aren't trying to go into business, because the scenarios that we are doing, it's talking to your boss or an interview. No matter what field you're going into, you're going to have to do that. Good experience. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And look at you on the radio at age 16 and 17, I would imagine. And I can remember (laughs) sitting here at 25 and not wanting to say a word. (laughs) All right. Anything else you guys want to share? Um, I don't think so. No? Do you have any more questions for us? I don't. Gwen, do you? Our silent. Say a parent is listening and how would their kid want to get All right. The question is, yeah, thank you. I wasn't sure if you could hear Gwen on the radio about how to get involved. That's our next guest that we'll be introducing in a moment. But if any parents of high school students are listening or maybe they know that their school doesn't have a DECA chapter yet, how can they get in touch and get involved? Yeah, so first thing that I recommend doing is going to our Massachusetts DECA website and then you can see a list of all the schools that are currently in Massachusetts DECA. So if your school isn't listed there, then I would have a talk with your child and say if it's something that they wanna do. Then I would recommend that they find a teacher who they can work with to get it started. And then we have a form to fill out and then we're gonna help you get it started as 
best as we can. Okay, awesome. And the website looks like it's MassachusettsDeca.org. Yes. Sound right? Okay. And we have uh, a question. She wants to jump in. Uh, she's, a, she's a Deca mom. Yeah. Oh, okay. We have Yay, Teresa yeah. from Marshfield. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning. Your show is so nice. Thank you. Thanks I can't take any credit yet. <laughs> that reminds me of my daughter, my youngest daughter. I have four. I'm a Marshfield mom for 30 years, and she was involved in the DECA program, and that's how she jump-started into her career. Oh. She got an internship because of the DECA program, and she was hired into the company, and she's a successful woman. That's phenomenal to hear. And I was just having this conversation on an, with someone not long ago that I can remember, you guys are very young, but I can even rem- remember graduating from college and going to start interviewing and being very inexperienced at the time. And I can remember being, and I was just talking to someone about this like last week. I can remember like knowing that I could do that job and that I was ready and I would be, and I would be great at this job, but it's just so hard to communicate that at a young age. I think it's something that you certainly learn as, as you get older, I think, but the communication aspect and what you guys are learning in terms of being able to communicate, especially with adults and, and business owners and, and how to conduct yourselves in an interview, that is incredibly invaluable and certainly a a leg up. in network. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. You guys are meeting a lot of business owners when you do the competitions and they're getting to know you a little bit. That's, and I'm assuming you're getting a lot of leads as you're older from that or. Yes. And the networking. And your friends and colleagues. Yes. A hundred percent. The getting together. Sure. Yeah. It's honestly one of the main parts of it, although at its core it is like competition, but the further that you get into it and the more that you immerse yourself in the DECA community, you realize it's more than just competing. I've met my best friends through DECA. I've met even more people who I still keep in touch with from all over the world. And (laughs) it's just insane. Yes. And we also have reached out to like sponsors and I used all my DECA skills when I was at an interview not too long ago. So (laughs) it's crazy that we're doing this so young. But I think it's a great opportunity, and we love hearing everyone from DECA and seeing their success. Yeah, we love hearing stories of how DECA's paid off for people because that's our goal. Yeah. I want my daughter to contribute back. I'm going to talk to her. Maybe we can send her a copy of the radio show. (laughs) Maybe she can judge some competitions. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're always looking for judges. she She works in Irvine, California. California has DECA. They have DECA. <laughs> Deca is she in, in the- all fifty states except for Vermont, right. and we're also in some other yeah. countries as well. Awesome. It's soon the world is small. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Teresa. Thanks for sharing your story. Day. All right. Have a good day. Bye bye. All right, ladies, anything else? We will let you go if you don't have anything else to share. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Thank you so, so much again for having us. Taylor Toomey and Ava DeCheca from the Marshfield chapter of the DECA organization. To find out more about DECA, MassachusettsDECADECA.org. Ladies, thank you so much. Have thank a good you. rest of the you year. Too. You too. All right, take care. Thank you. All right, we are going to let these ladies go and we are going to move on to, we're going to pivot and we're going to talk about preparing for, I guess, end of life. Of course, we can do this at all ages. Yeah, we're, thank you. Preparing for the unexpected. Thanks, ladies. Take care. All right, so my rotating door this morning. So my next guest is Gwen Morgan, who's a longtime guest of the show. Can you hear me or no? How about right now? 
Let's just figure out the audio. Yeah, I can he- see Visual. this way, but... Oh, okay. Maybe Tim can come in and fix it while I'm chatting, but... All right, my next guest, Gwen Morgan. She's the author of the What If Workbook, Give the Gift of Preparedness to Your Loved Ones. Gwen has been on the show several times, and I want to say I met Gwen. Gwen, it has got to be almost 15 years ago that we first met. It was a long time ago, and I can remember we had one or multiple events where you hosted and you spoke and you presented your book, and we had some people attend wanting to learn a little bit more about it. And it's wonderful that you're still doing this and publishing your book, and so we're going to talk about that this morning. We've got, I don't know, five, six minutes before the break but then we've got some time after the break to talk about your book and your work and what your mission is and certainly overlaps with what I do and other professionals, estate planning attorneys and uh, a lot of people. So good morning. Thank good you morning. for being here. Thank you for having me <laughs> again. I, yes. It's <laughs> always we're, nice to see you. Always good to have you here. And you were so interested in the conversation regarding DECA. You well, were like, were great. eyes wide. <laughs> Those girls were amazing. Yeah. And I wish I had that when I was in I high know. school. Don't or you partook. Were, don't you wish you were that mature yes. in high school at yeah. such a young age? Yeah. I don't think I was that mature until I was about 30. <laughs> Are we still? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Maybe still working on that level I know. of maturity. I yeah. Know. Those ladies were great. Okay. So where do we begin? Again, Thank you. Your book is called The What If Workbook. I know it's available yeah. on Amazon, right? Did I, I actually oh, okay. so I actually prefer that people purchase it through my website, which okay. is whatifworkbook.com. Okay. Very easy. And you we don't physically you can't see it, but this copy has the spiral yeah. binding, which I think is great for, as far as because it is a fill-in-the-blank workbook to yep. just guide you through the process of getting your affairs in order. And you can get the same thing on Amazon, but it's bound. So it's smaller and you have to crack the binding. And that's fine. However you want to do it. But I just do prefer, I think I just prefer this because I think it's a nicer product. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah, It's very flippable and you can like flip it all the way over. Flip it all the way over. Yeah. And I do suggest that people do it in pencil. Because it's putting down, in a nutshell, your personal information, your account numbers of banks and financial products and account numbers, beneficiaries, who you'd want to contact, all of that, your mortgage information, your credit cards, et cetera, and then your end-of-life wishes. Do you want to be buried? Do you want to be cremated? All that. And so I really wrote it. After years of being a hospice volunteer, which led to working with seniors and elders, that they weren't communicating with their families and something unexpected would happen and the families didn't have a clue as to one, perhaps, what their financial information was, but... Did they want to be buried? Did they want to be cremated? Where? Did they already have a burial pot purchase? Yeah. Did they want a big celebration? Did they want it by a lake and a mountain as opposed to at a church? What hymns? So it gets into the nitty gritty of helping people think about it because it's really uncomfortable to talk about it. I guess for a lot right? of people it is, yeah. Right, but if you're yeah. well of sound mind and body, you can just say, oh, I never even thought about that. Yeah. So let's talk about that because sometimes a spouse or a parent or whatever said, I would never, I couldn't stand to see my loved one cremated. It's a thing. Or it goes against my religion or whatever. So it's really, to me, and I saw all this before, 15 years ago, I think, like you said, I started. Yeah. When did you start? When did you write the book the first time? I was looking because I have to say, your dad, Mike McNamara, was the first one to host me. Oh. 
at a public gathering, and I think it was like 2014 or 2016. Yeah, and he trusted me with it, and and he rented, and he had took space at the Pembroke Library, and he had a lot of your clients. Yeah, and he bought workbooks, and he paid me facilitation fee. I was just green at this, and just thinking, can I really do this? And I just have him to thank for really setting me off, which is great. So it's been at least. 10, 15 years. But at least 10 years. I would have guessed yeah. more than 10 years. And I couldn't yeah. remember if the foundation of the book was like a personal experience with your parents or anything, yeah. or was it really yeah. just your work, or maybe the combination it of It was a combination yeah. of, um, so my father-in-law, this was in 1996, my father-in-law lived on the Cape, and he had Lou Gehrig's disease, Okay, Carl, and he had a hospice volunteer, and this guy, Steve, and Steve just left such an impression on me, because he would talk to Carl who was going through ALS, which is horrible. But then when Carl was resting, he'd talk to my mother-in-law, Marion, about her fears and her, Mm. and it was just this real support. And I was thinking, what a great thing that was to do. And at that point, I was home with my young kids. You always did part-time stuff. My husband traveled a lot, so I was at home, whatever. And I thought, what a great thing that was to be a hospice volunteer. So I trained through South Shore Hospital, and I did hospice volunteering, sitting with these people in their homes. So with the patient, so the caregiver could go out for a walk or take a nap or do whatever. And that led to working with elders through the home care agency. And then I worked with an attorney who had a lot of guardianship. She was an estate attorney. She is an estate attorney. Okay. So I go to their homes and just help out. And that's where I saw people just weren't prepared. Yeah. The families weren't prepared or didn't know the information like I'm talking about here. So I thought, so that happened with my father-in-law. And then I thought, wouldn't it be great to have a fill-in-the-blank guide to help yeah. people go through this? Your account numbers, your banks, your insurance policies, your finances, your credit cards, your usernames and yeah. passwords, yeah. which has grown, of course, sure. a lot since I started. Yeah, Because people, I hate to say this, but you have a wonderful, healthy 50-year-old marathon runner who's on the golf course and drops dead yeah. of a heart attack. And I've heard yeah. this so many times. The wife doesn't even know how to get into the phone. Yeah. And he did all the banking. And what was that? And so it's to put this together. And then if you're married, usually one or the other handles all the finances and all that. Yeah. So to sit down and say, okay, this is where the information is. I do online banking. This is the credit card statements. These are our finances. Yeah. We have a life insurance policy. Yeah. We have all of these things in place. Oh, we just got to take a break. Yeah. yeah, we're just getting rolling. I know, we had so much fun talking <laughs> to the deck ladies. All right, we're just taking a quick break. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We're speaking this morning with Gwen Morgan, who's the author of the What If Workbook. We're talking about giving the gift of preparedness to your love ones. We'll get into it right after the break. Be right back. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by Gwen Morgan, who's the author of the What If Workbook. We're talking this morning about preparing for 
the unexpected, right? Mm-hmm. Your the, the your tagline is give the gift of preparedness to your loved ones. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And I just let's I guess we'll get into the de- we'll get into the details of the workbook and your process and what you recommend and maybe you can share some stories. But I was just trying to think about some examples that I've come across over the years of people that weren't prepared. And mm. you never know, right? You never know how long your life is and as people pass certainly unexpectedly earlier than they think and some people live a long life into their 90s or 100 and you just never know but and this is disclosure maybe you have a similar disclosure that this isn't meant to replace legal documents and wills and stuff like that of course exactly. right yeah. but I was just trying to think of some situations that I've come across of families that weren't prepared and I can think of a few notable ones I can think of one who and, and again, maybe your, your workbook doesn't address all these things because certainly legal documents and estate planning are very important. But I can think of someone who was a father of two minor children that passed away unexpectedly early in life. They, he wasn't married to their mother at the time. So he had no spouse. He had no other kids. He had no legal documents and no even beneficiaries named on any of his accounts. Mm-hmm. And it took, it ended up being the ex-wife and the parents of the adult children settling everything for their benefit. But it took years and mm-hmm. years, like four or five years mm-hmm. to fully settle things and court, court appearances and legal fees and disputes and squabbles with other family yeah. members and stuff like that. And I can think of a lot of stories like that and people whose family member, I can think of someone who came and said, my aunt passed away and she had this and that account and it's coming to me. And you dig a little bit deeper and turns out there was maybe a verbal agreement, but things weren't put in the writing, beneficiaries the beneficiaries change things. Right. right? And they, yeah. I think there was actually no beneficiary in it, or maybe it mismatched what the verbal explanation was. Then it goes and then, probate in the court system. Exactly. And yeah, that's what gets to be very expensive yep. too. And again, years right? and expensive attorneys mm-hmm. and probate fees. And mm-hmm. then, and not even to mention tax, the, the taxes that needed to be paid in this example to get to money to where they thought oh, the money should go were right. because they weren't named properly and just unnecessary stuff. And then, and I've, of course, over the years, families that could have gotten along splendidly before mom or dad passed. Exactly. And then people, yeah, money is very emotional. And when you mm-hmm. couple that with the the emotional toll of losing a loved one, mm-hmm. right? Then mm-hmm. I think that just compounds and people fight about money. And I, I've even had situations where the, maybe the estate was even divided equally, right. but somebody's still upset about this, that, and the other thing. I think oftentimes it's lack of communication, right? Where one adult child is maybe responsible for settling things. And generally that person doesn't really know, like from a legal perspective, doesn't really know what they're doing and relying on help. And they're just wading through it and figuring right. out as they go. And the last thing, and they're probably working and raising a family too. Right, and so the last right. thing on their mind is like communicating perfectly with everyone else. And so sometimes it's just causes so much dissension in a family, even if you do get along well. I see that a lot. Yeah. So anyway, the point there is the more prepared someone can be, Mm -hmm. the less likely I think of families fighting and the less likely of unnecessary expense and years of someone's life and stress and all that stuff. And I'm sure you have similar stories with people you've met over the years. Sure. Which is a big reason, again, why I did it. I see families just falling apart because, and I would say, especially if you're single, even, I've talked a little bit before the break that communicate to your spouse, your partner, 
you have this book or you have a legal pad or you have your things together somewhere in yeah. about your wishes and all that. But if you're single, who's going to be your person? Yeah. And so I do workshops and seminars around the workbook, okay. which I did that one with McNamara years ago. Yeah. And I really doing that because then you can sit down and talk about, like you said, all the legal documents together to hopefully at least have a will. So yeah. you have that written down and to have a power of attorney who's going to take care of your legal matters if something were to happen to you. Yeah. And who you're in Massachusetts, it's a healthcare proxy, but a medical directive, an advanced medical directive. Okay. Yeah. If something happens to you, who's going to take care of your medical wishes? Yeah. And hopefully in that case, I suggest you have somebody who has your same moral, moral ethical end of life wishes. Like some people will do, do everything you can to keep me alive. I don't want to die. Or I'm 85 years old. I'm not as spry as I used to be, whatever. And you can list now. There's the most forms you can fill out and all of that. Yeah. So we talk about that. But to have the conversations, sit down with the power of attorney, the healthcare proxy and say, these are my wishes. This is what I want. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you have your legal stuff written down. Again, the usernames, passwords, the account numbers and all that sort of thing. And then to me, a whole thing too of this is like you said in the intro, legacy. Think yeah. about your legacy. How do you want to be remembered? To me, you do the what if where you, you get your affairs together. You can use the what if workbook as a guide, but just think about what the things that you want people to know and then live your life fully knowing that you've given them yeah. that gift. Because to me, people think, why do you want to deal with this death stuff? And it's not just death. With the weather the way it is now, if there's a flood, if there's a fire, if there's an unexpected hurricane, I suggest that people put their workbook, if they have it, or their important papers in a portable little lockbox, a fireproof that's not locked, and hide it in the closet so it's easily accessible or something, and pack it under stuff. So if there is an emergency, you have all of your things in there, your passport, your birth certificate, your marriage stuff, all of that. It's just to be prepared, and so... People talk about the death thing, but to me, it if I look at death, I think of living my life more fully. I want to make the most of every day. I want to make sure I'm prepared. Yeah. Get it together. Communicate to your loved one where your stuff is. And then, to me, it's a peace of mind. Yeah. I don't have adult children yet. My children are middle school age, but I work with a lot of clients, and I feel like it's a mixed bag in terms of who communicates with their adult children and Mm -hmm. who doesn't. I don't Mm -hmm. know what, maybe if you want to share some experiences. In my line of work, I do work with a lot of older people that do involve their adult children and their Mm -hmm. finances, especially if it's a married couple and one of them passes and then maybe one is left and then that's more common that they would start coming to meetings with an adult child, maybe just for emotional support or whatever. In many times you make that child, depending on them, their personality, if they're organized and if they would want to, like you said, be able to have the organizational skills to take over an estate. But in our case, I had family members, my brothers and sisters, be my people for the power of attorney and all that. Now I do have adult children. Uh, In the last time we updated our stuff, it's like we made them the healthcare. And it was like, are we sure? Because they're in their mid-30s. And it's like, are they responsible? We decided, yeah. Yeah. But a lot of people may not. not It depends on the child. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think one of your opening comments was that adult parents don't communicate these wishes very well with their adult children? Mm -hmm. These are very difficult conversations to have too, right? And maybe just like, when does it come up, right? It's not like holiday conversation. It's supposed to be. There's this great online resource, The Conversation Project. Ellen Goodman is a journalist for the Boston Globe. She wrote it. Her 
scenario was she was really close to her, her mom got older her mom had to be had Alzheimer's she had to be put in a nursing home oh. and I guess one night they her nursing home called Ellen and said your mom has pneumonia do you want us to treat her and, and she was like, and I Ellen no was like, I don't know. And oh. she said, I can't believe I had to make that decision. And she was devastated because they had been so close. But they never, never talked up. about yeah. it. What are your end of life? Which yeah. do you want to be sustained? I'm like, my mom had Alzheimer's, and I've told my kids, if I'm at the point I don't recognize you or anything, they don't have to treat you. I want to be pain yeah. free. Treat my pain, but don't keep me alive. Yeah. Don't resuscitate me, though, because I. Yeah. And I'm sorry, listeners. That's my personal. Mm-hmm way of looking at life. Other people may say, my dad, that's another reason I wrote the workbook. He don't want to tell us anything. Okay. And my brother and I are the trustees. We're, you know, in charge of everything. Were something to happen. And I said, dad, we need to know. I don't want to tell you that now. Um, I don't want to tell you that now. But he had it on some yellow sheets of paper. So when I wrote the workbook, we sat down, Nashville, New Hampshire, where I grew up at his kitchen table. Yeah. And we went through and it's who we'd want to contact and where his bank was. And and then I said, what's your account number? He goes, I don't want you to know that. Yeah. And I said, Dad, put it in the workbook. We're going to find a safe place in your condo here. Yeah. We're going to hide it. Yeah. But we're going to know where it is. So if something happens to you, it's really important for us to know that. Yeah. And so he goes, oh, okay. So he and he's grumbled. <laughs> but then we got to, it's the, in here, there's a place for writing your obituary and to think about your life. And oh. my dad was a character. He always said, nobody knows all the great things I've done. You yeah. know? And I said, we got to the obituary. I said, let's write those down. Oh, no, no. I, I got to sit and think about it. I said, well, just outline yeah. things. And he told told me about his time in the military. He never talked about it. Oh. He wanted, he loved the Elks. He wanted mm. to say that he was a member of the Elks. Never knew about that. So I found out all these things yeah. that you don't know about. And in my workshops, I say, think about your obituary now. Just outline it. Maybe there were, because people know who you are, where you went to school, what you did yeah. for a living, who your family is, but they may not know about some special award that is really important to you that they wouldn't know about or so something true. that's, so it helps you think about your own life. That's so true. true. I, I was fortunate enough to be able to help. I spoke at my mom's funeral, right? Oh, and it was and mm-hmm. it's it was so wonderful. And yeah. of course, whatever I what I said was I trying to honor her in the best way that I could, but I didn't know my mom her whole life. Yeah. And yeah. I only really know knew her in the last very well in the last twenty years right. of her life, right? right? When I was an adult. And of course I had memories of being a kid and stuff like that, but it's is that what she would have wanted said about her. Right. I have no idea. We didn't have those conversations, but yeah. it's wonder that's wonderful to be able to yeah, have so those you, conversations. So you in talked advance. about yeah. getting back to the yeah. like your financial stuff and all that, and yeah. bringing the older the kids in. I think it totally depends on the family. Yeah, um, are okay. they responsible? A lot of people say, and I say, you might not want them to have the account information yet, yeah. but have them know where to find it. Okay. I'll never forget. Yeah. I did this workshop yeah. years ago down in Chatham at a church there, and there was this elderly lady, and she says, I put my son on my checking account because I was getting older, and he was helping me with the finance. Is he took all the money, <gasps> which is you just hear that once, and I was yeah, I say, oh, I say it all the time God. as an example. It's really not the majority of the time. No, is that's that? I would imagine that's pretty rare. But, but okay. it is really no. rare. But that yeah. left such an impression on me. To yeah. you, you know, it depends on the child. Sure. And sometimes you have the adults, the parents want to talk about this. I want to get this out. I want to live knowing that if something were to happen to us, where our stuff is. Yeah. And then sometimes you have the adult children. Mom, dad, I don't want to talk about it. You're never going to die. Because they don't want... They don't... They're, if difficult a lot conversations of people for them too, think yeah. if yeah. we talk about it, it's going to happen. Yeah. So it's just... It's very interesting to deal 
with the people, but I think we should all take a stab at it. And Ellen oh, yeah. Goodman with the Conversation Project okay. starts this, you know, how to have the conversation. And some of it is at the Thanksgiving table. Uh, I think part of it says... Drinking a glass of wine or a beer Yeah, well, or they say, you're not going to get dessert. <laughs> yeah. I want to tell you about my stuff and you need to sit here. I want to I want to be buried. Captive audience. This is where. Or I want to be cremated. I want to look yeah. scattered or, yeah. you know, whatever the situation is. That's interesting that you just brought up. My, my mind goes to that these are difficult conversations for the person completing the, the workbook, right? That's difficult. Some of it is difficult to put on paper and to think about and certainly difficult conversations to have with adult children or, right. or, or even a spouse. But it's interesting what you just said about that can even be difficult for the ne- for the second generation, right? Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking my dad, very organized, very prepared, financial, like in this business, right? right, and, and, right. and he... I can, he's pretty proactive and he, every once in a while, he'll just hand me a letter and it's updated, you know, stuff, really? right? And it's, yeah. and how are you with that? I get very emotional <laughs> and yeah. I like, I, I can't even yeah. read the letter right away. Like I have to put it down. See, and it then when is. I read it and I just get all, you know, bawling and mm-hmm. just thinking about that is very, probably it's more hard. difficult for me than it is for yeah, him. Exactly. He wants you to know it. it like that. Yeah. Cause it's hard. Yeah. You love your, you loved your loved ones. Yeah. But we're all, it's going to happen. I percent yeah. of us hopefully way in the future yeah. but and you value them that much more because yeah. you think spend time together <laughs> so let's talk about the book itself what, what's okay. in here obviously it's fi- financial information and yeah. account numbers and passwords and things like that but what else yeah. is in here that maybe is unexpected yeah, or important, okay. or how do you tell people to approach this? Or well, where I just say or? go through it page by page. The yep. first part is fill out the workbook or put your affairs together, and then let somebody know that you've done it. Okay, and let them know yep. where it is because yep. that's the thing. You can spend all your time getting it together, but if it's sitting in a desk drawer somewhere and nobody knows that you've done it, yeah. that is key to tell people that you've done oh, it. Gosh, yeah, and then yeah. they find it a year later when yeah. they're cleaning out the house. Yeah, and, oh, well, no. so it's funny. I there was a woman that I knew went to one of my workshops and she wrote at the end, there's a place to maybe write letters to your loved ones or something. Mm -hmm. And she was a member of the church that I'm involved with. And she had told her kids that she wrote letters to the grandkids and and then she passed away. And so it was in the workbook, but she never told anyone where they were. And they called me and they said, we found the workbook. We can't, there's no place where she put the letters. I didn't know, and I don't know if they ever found them. She wrote letters as Supposedly, she wrote letters to her grandkids to say she valued them and why and all that. And they They never found the letters. Yeah. So So she didn't write where the letters were. Well, or she didn't do it. And so I changed my view of that. It's still in the workbook, but talk to your grandkids now. Tell them, do Uh, that all now. Yeah. But one thing, I was doing a seminar ages ago, and it was like a lot of, I remember there was a reverse mortgage guy. There was me. There was probably a financial planner, but there was a a funeral Director. Director. Okay, yeah. And I was talking to him on the side and I said, and that was when I was still putting the workbook together. I was adding to it all the time. And I said, is there anything that I could put in my workbook that would really, is there anything that takes time away like you don't, that people don't get together that would hasten anything? And he told me that, so in order to get the death certificate, you have to know where the, the person who died, where their parents were born. Oh. And I'm thinking. No idea where my parents were born. Yeah. 
So I'm like, I have a wonderful oh. husband. I have two wonderful kids, but they wouldn't know when my parents were born. Yeah. So that was an interesting thing. Okay. And, and then, so I say that at my workshops now and they, somebody says, well, I'm adopted. I don't know who my <gasps> parents were. So then I oh asked a, a funeral. My mother-in-law lived with us for seven years and she died a few years ago. And I asked that funeral director this question, like a lot of people may not know, is it yeah. really going to hold it up? And he said that they really um, do that mainly for um, genealogy. You know, there's oh, so much okay. ancestry uh, going on. So they'd like to have it to keep the records straight. Oh, okay. But if you That's don't know, mandatory. you don't know. But it's just, you know, yeah. something like that. DD-214 papers, which I had never what heard is? of before. They're your um, discharge paper if you're in the military. Oh, okay. And so that is important because in our area, you can get a free burial at the Bourne Mil- National Cemetery. Okay. And then even if you're alive, you can get veterans benefits. Oh, okay. If yep. you qualify for that. So DD-214 papers, you, yeah, that's a couple things yeah, civilian that civilian like, wouldn't know civilian that wouldn't was. know yeah. or the family wouldn't know right. that their dad they can have the the, the military funeral the taps and all that yeah yeah and i noticed one there's a one of the first pages in the book is fill this information out and then give rip out this page and give it to someone so they know where the book is that's, that's just whole, a reminder yeah. Yeah. this is very really taking it to a new level but yeah, yeah there's two pages that are the same so it says I have filled out the what if workbook yeah. this is where it is if something were to happen to me so there could be one or two people because yeah. you know when you fill out your healthcare proxy, you have a proxy and then you have an alternate in yeah. case that person's not around. Yeah. So I just figured maybe two people you're communicating to them. Yeah. And you mentioned you yeah. do workshops. Do you still do that to help yeah. people fill it out or to hold yeah. them accountable? Or yes. yeah, talk to me about your process. Yes. I'll find a generous person like Mike McNamara back when, like financial planners, churches, estate planning attorneys, estate planning yep. attorneys they mm-hmm. will host me to do a workshop for their clients. Yeah. I do them at churches. I've done them there. I do them at a lot of senior centers. I'm actually doing one at Duxbury Senior Center in January. And they're interactive what-if workshops, which okay. I really like to do. That yeah. means that you can have 20, 25 people if the setting is big enough. Everybody has a workbook yeah. and we go through it page by page because it is I think it's a simple fill in the blank guide some people say it's overwhelming okay what's her name Lisa Orman no what's her name Susie Orman Susie Orman has this three inch binder thing five hundred dollars to get your affairs in order yeah and we go through the workbook it's things that they people haven't talked about and then there's conversation everybody has their stories like I remember one I had at my church UCC Norwell if I may say. So I had one and a woman brought up, she says, I'm, she's, she was the treasurer for say her garden club or something. Yeah. And she said, so, and she writes the checks and she's in charge of the checkbook. They have a check-in account. And she said, you should tell people at your workshops, if something happened to me, where would that go? Who's the next person? And so there is a fill in the blank guy to write your civic organizations, who your financial planner is, who your broker's company is. Yeah. So we go through the work, the workbook. And so they need to go home and they'll know, okay, I need to get this out. I need to write this down. Yeah. Donating your organs. That's, I'd like to share the story because it's, again, something I think everybody, do you want to donate your organs and it's listed on the Massachusetts, on the license, Mm -hmm. right? So two stories about that. My sister um, was single and she passed away two years ago and that was young. She was only 69. So that's a whole nother story. But she had filled out the workbook. So I knew, but there was things that she hadn't filled out. Uh, And she, yeah, it's a long story, but we were having a conversation years ago 
because I was going to be her person and because she was single, didn't have kids. And I asked about donating your organs and she said, absolutely not. And I'm like, really? Because I'm like, take whatever you can. Yeah. I think that I have no problem with it. She just said spiritually, okay. it's something about cutting the body open. Mm. She didn't want. And I never would have known that. So that's yeah. an important thing. And I was doing a workshop in Weymouth again years ago. And there was an, a woman probably in her 70s. And she said her son, this was years ago, was like 25 years old, healthy, whatever, crossed the road, got hit by a truck. And died. I know. Terrible, terrible. So I guess because he was healthy, the hospitals call right away. And they wanted to know if she wanted to donate his organs. And she said at the time she was devastated, overwhelmed, mourning, so in distress. She says, absolutely not. They're not going to cut my son open. And now years later, later, she says that I so regret. They could have saved so many Uh, people. So these are the things that are really tough. Because you're really, but yeah. but I, those are two examples that I just think that's important to have that conversation yeah. and for us to think about it ourselves. Absolutely. What do you want? What holds people up in the workbook? What are sections that you find people get to last? Or like you mentioned, your sister just hadn't filled something in. Yeah. Are there certain sections that are just harder? Is it yeah, the well, obituary? I think, is I it think the, the first part is, yeah, all the like nuts just, and bolts. Yeah, that's, I think yeah, the thinking, yeah. the part of what do you want to do? Be buried, cremated. Yeah. You may have, that was another example. Like, sorry to say the examples, but I just learned from the workshops. I was doing, I when I first started, I was doing them at the Hingham Senior Center and mm-hmm. we'd, we, we had meet week one, week two, week three, and they filled out a part of the workbook and then they came back and shared it. And one woman came and said, she wanted to be cremated and she went home and told her husband and her husband said, this is why I said this, there's no way I can cremate you. Oh, really? That goes against that. I can't imagine you mm-hmm. might get burned. Just the whole thought of it. Yeah. And so she says, I had no idea yeah. he would think that way. Yeah. And so what I don't even, do? I don't know. I can't remember what they Ask decided. That was between them. Just the things like that, you don't know. You would never and know. And then no. if you do want to be buried, is there a burial plot? Do they already have one that's right. in the family that they, I just found out from my husband, and we've talked about this a lot. We both want to be cremated and where we want to be, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And he just told me the first time his family has a burial plot where his parents are. And he had a sister who passed away at 12 years old. That was a whole other thing. Gosh. And he wants to be cremated, but have some of the remains there. And he oh. he, he had not told me that when uh, we, because we've done this I times. You know, we, yeah, you know, of course. We try to, even for me though. Yeah. I need to update it. Yeah. I have new things. You have CDs or you get a mortgage and you oh, pay sure. off a mortgage. Where's your car title? Yeah. But you sell a car. There's all these things that need to be updated. And when we talked about the beneficiaries at the beginning, I want to premise, focus on that too, because people get divorced and all of their financial things are to the spouse. And then it's not the spouse and then they get remarried, but they never change the beneficiaries on their stocks, bonds, whatever. Right. So you're probably on top of that. But some people who maybe don't have a financial plan or just do it on their own, yeah. who are your beneficiaries? It's just a good reminder of it, things that you should do. And it's the type yeah. of thing that should be updated probably every few years. But yeah, even, having, even to go year. through it once is like great, but yeah, probably ideally. It's a start. Yeah. But like I said, do it in pencil because usernames, passwords. Yeah. Like I have it on my computer at a, in an Excel file, and I'm not going to say what it's under. But I, yeah. In my workbook, I'll put it under the apple pie recipe from yeah. whatever. So <laughs> yeah. in my, my workbook, it says go to my computer, go to settings, go to, and 
that's where it is. Right. And then I print it out. So I have it my possession, but has right now, even mine, I have it all crossed out. I need to type it again. Yeah. And it's not it's in a my computer. Work. So yeah. it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But it, you're, but your tagline is appropriate. Give the gift of preparedness to your loved ones. Cause it's yeah. really not about you. You're, you're deceased in this example. So but it's, it's, for me, gift. it's peace yeah. of mind to yeah. know that my loved ones aren't going to be yeah. devastated. At least that part of it will be easy and get a photo of yourself. I hate to say it, but oh, put for the obituary. Because that's one thing. My yeah. dad, we we didn't have a picture, and it's hard no. sometimes to get a photograph to a nice, it's not all grainy. Yeah. So that's personal nice experience. I didn't even know it till that happened. Yeah. So oh. I know. I know. Well, what else do you want to share? Any story? We've only got a minute or so that this, oh. the hour flew by, but any wow. other? Um, you mentioned you, like, you've done this so long now that now yeah. you're meeting people that have had a loved one pass. And yeah. And myself well, included. My mom, my dad, my sister, which was devastating. Yeah. yeah. And knowing mostly what her view on life was and what she wanted yeah. was good for me but even that communicate to your loved ones that's my ending love remark. it all right yeah. thank you so much that was very quick and maybe we'll yeah. have to have you back again soon <laughs> you've been listening to mcnamara on money i'm Alyssa mcnamara reed we were talking this morning with gwen morgan who is the author of the what if workbook give the gift of preparedness to your loved ones and ha- thank you very much and you can purchase a book on her website the what if work what if workbook.com comes in a hard copy or as an ebook for people that want to just type it online as a document. Awesome. Give the gift of preparedness to your loved ones. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend. Check me out at McNamaraFinancial.com. You can find McNamara on money on all the major podcasting platforms. New episodes drop every Monday. Tune in weekly for everything you need to know about making smart financial decisions. Subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode.